Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. And I just pray a lot. I believe in God and I pray a lot. And I have asked him to, before I die, to let me find out who did this to my son. From KYW. In Philadelphia. Philly. These are true stories. About unsolved crimes. I have no doubt someone knows who did this. You don't go this long without people talking. The people left behind. I think about Jason every day. That doesn't go away. You just learn to live with it, you know? And the ones still on the job. So I just need a couple more pieces. That's all. I just need someone to, to just give me a little bit more and we can, and maybe we can bring this home. I'm Kristen Johansson. I'm Tom Rickard. This is Gone Cold. He basically died up that way, you know, because he worked up at 69th Street Terminal. And he left out that evening. And him and this other guy to go to a party, which his father had told him, Jason, you just got this other car, you don't need to go up there. And he promised his father that he wasn't going, went anyway. This is Leola Richardson. In 2004, her son Jason was stabbed in the heart just outside of a bar on Terminal Square in Upper Darby, Pennsylvania. Later on that night, that's when we got the call. Mass confusion. I mean, it really looked like a Hollywood production. Police couldn't make an arrest with the information they got that night. I'm going to say a minimum of 300 to 400 people spilling out of that bar, and not one person saw anything. No one wanted to be bothered. And, and i got to be honest with you, that still haunts me. Out of that, that many people, not one person can say, hey, I saw what happened, here's who did it. Jason's murder remains unsolved. So let's back this up a little bit. Jason Richardson was from West Philly. He uh, worked for SEPTA. When we were researching ideas for this podcast, we reached out to Superintendent Mike Chitwood, head of Upper Darby Police, and he introduced us to this guy. Captain David Madonna. I am the captain of Investigations and Narcotics. I've been a captain in the police department for eight years, I guess now. I've been with the department 20 years. He called us back right away, told us about this story, the one we're about to tell you, and it's been weighing on him since it happened. He was involved in 
most homicides, uh, most major cases from 1998 till about 2004, I guess, when I was uh, promoted out of the division. So 12 years ago, it was late Saturday night, actually Sunday morning, October 17, 2004. The bars were getting out, the Saturday night crowd was getting ready to go home, and Madonna's at home sleeping when his phone rings. Whatever detective gets there first usually coordinates with the sergeant. I was the sergeant at the time there. And, uh, you know, we, we assigned someone to the scene. We assigned somebody to the case. And for whatever reason, I remember we were particularly busy uh, that time, around that time of year. So I ended up taking the case. Captain Madonna became the lead investigator in Jason's murder. If he's anything like the family is, he would be the kind of man that I would want to associate with because that family is just working class, um, sweet, really loving people. When he left that night, I remember his father telling me that when he left that night to go out, his father kind of had an uneasy feeling. He said he couldn't put his finger on it at the time, he said, but... He said, uh, we're going out, I'll see you later. And his dad told him, be careful, Um, you know, watch what you're doing. And uh, the father said to me he could never explain why that he felt that way, but he did that night. We went to talk to Jason's family, and Captain Madonna was right. They're lovely. Leola Richardson. That's Jason's mom. We heard from her earlier. She didn't know us at all before we came into her home to talk to her about her son. And she welcomed us in and talked to us about the worst time of her life. And you can still see the pain she carries with her each day. She's a mom who lost her kid. And it doesn't matter how much time goes by, it's still there. It's still fresh. Jason's dad, Raymond, is also in the room. But he didn't talk very much. He was set up in a chair watching TV. So if you hear Judge Judy in the background, that's why. Leola struggled a bit through this interview. When we were there, I noticed this internal struggle she has going on inside between the good memories of Jason and the pain of the loss. She'll smile, laugh, and cry all at the same time. It's just like a heavy weight that you feel, that you know that you won't see your child again, and so forth. It just feels heavy heavy on you sometimes. I listen to some songs he used to sing on the radio when it comes on and that makes me cry. Then a whole lot of times I laugh. Music was a big part of Jason's life. He was always singing in school, at home, everywhere. He was an R&B singer. He really liked the old tunes. He didn't like rapping too much, you know. He would listen to it, but he wouldn't do it himself. And he wrote and recorded his own songs, too. This is him singing here. Jason had an older brother, too, Bryant. But Jason was the charmer. He was the smooth one with the girls. He sang, played football. He was a diehard Sixers and Eagles fan, and he was really popular. His mom showed off a picture of him, a prom picture. She said people used to say he looked like Allen Iverson, and she was right. He has the same cornrows, the same chiseled features. He's wearing a shiny white suit, and he has those big brown eyes. In his neighborhood, Jason was known as a peacekeeper. Whenever things got a little intense and a fight broke out, a lot of times Jason would be the guy who would break them up. You know, man, you ain't got to fight. 
you go home, you go this place and so forth. I, I have seen him do this. It was out here once, one, during one summer day, two of his friends got ready to fight. He goes out and he tries to break them up because that was the type of person he was. And I told him, I said, Jason, stop doing that because you will be the one to get hurt. Well, that's what happened. It was the 17th. It was a Saturday into Sunday. It was actually Sunday, early Sunday morning when the bar was closing. So it was a Saturday night. Captain Madonna remembers the night like it was yesterday. You know, there was an altercation inside the bar. We don't know exactly what it was about. We believe uh, our victim may have been dancing with somebody who uh, had another boyfriend or had someone else interested in her and it ended up being, uh, you know, a shoving match inside the bar. The fight then spilled outside. And next thing we know, we have two victims that are are stabbed. Um, Jason Richardson, who died from a a stab wound to the chest, and his friend, who uh, received three stab wounds to the back, was actually on the ground being beaten and kicked. Jason's friend's name is Anthony. He lived in the same neighborhood. Uh, He did not know at that time he was stabbed. It was only until we got him to the hospital uh, that it was revealed he was stabbed. Anthony was eventually able to make a full recovery. We reached out to him several times for this story, but he didn't get back to us or respond to our requests for an interview. Jason was was laying in in a pool of blood when he was discovered by the police. He was face down, yeah. So, you know, the ambulance pretty much just scooped him and went went to the nearest hospital, Delaware County, and it was shortly thereafter, pretty much on arrival, that he he was pronounced deceased. The medical examiner did an autopsy to find out the official cause of death. Here's a copy of the autopsy report. Stab wound of the chest. Madonna was in bed asleep when he got a call from a detective on scene. There were a couple hundred people coming out of the bar, running for their cars, trying to go home, right as police were trying to keep people there to talk to. It was just people pouring out of this bar. And keep in mind, I got there a little after the fact. So for me, it was a little less confusing. But for the initial officers responding... Uh, just people pouring out and you know screaming and hollering and trying to get to their car. Who wants to leave? Speaking to the officers at the scene, it's even worse than than how we're describing it. It was just a, a sea of humanity and just you know everyone rushing to where the the flashing lights are and to where the police are and just wanting to to look and then be on their way. And through all the chaos, people everywhere still coming out of the bar, standing on the street. The officers are trying to find out what happened, trying to find someone who saw Jason and Anthony being stabbed. Some people say, hey, I was there, I saw what happened, but, you know, that's as far as they're going to go. They're really not too forthcoming with information. Um, So you grab who you can. Sometimes you get lucky and and employees of the bar are able to point out to you, hey, that guy knows something, he was right there. And in this particular case, there was armed security there that night, so they helped us with... uh, you know, grabbing a couple people. But they weren't getting much information, just little bits. I'm, I'm going to say a minimum of 300 to 400 people spilling out of that bar, and not one person saw anything. At least not enough information to help police with an arrest or a person of interest. It's baffling that so many people were there, but nobody wanted to stay and talk to police. They just wanted to get on with their night. 
As police were trying to find witnesses, I can only imagine it's like standing in a stream and trying to catch fish with your bare hands. Yeah, that's a very, very good way of putting it. Uh, a lot of times people just give you enough just to you know, try to make you happy, to get them off their back so they can go about their life and not really wanting to be involved. You know, they... They more or less just want to tell you, yeah, I was there, there was a, there was a fight, I don't know anybody, I, don't, I didn't see anything, and, and off they go. Yeah. And we try to pull them back in later and do you know, follow-up interviews, and it's, you know, it's tough, it's, it's, it's challenging. And that can be the case even when there's only a handful of witnesses. But with this scene and this many people... When you're talking about 400 people spilling out of a bar, it's, it really compounds things, yeah. Gone Cold will be right back. Welcome back to Gone Cold. So this is what they were able to determine at the crime scene. There was a fight. It spilled out of the bar. A knife was used to stab both Jason and his friend Anthony. And Captain Madonna thinks that Jason may not have been the target, but was trying to break up the fight. We seem to think that he was engaged. First of all, we seem to think Jason was trying to be the peacekeeper in this. He was trying to help his friend Anthony. Uh, We believe Anthony may have been the target of this and that Jason was going to help him and was probably snuck with a knife. Um, We don't even believe he saw it coming. Um, Of course, that's speculation based on what we saw at the scene. However... Um, from what I recall at the time, uh, it just seemed to be a stab wound. And according to Anthony, he had, was trying to come to his aid to assist him with a group that was beating on him. Jason was stabbed once in the heart. Anthony was stabbed three times in the upper back and the neck. What we don't know is the motive. We don't know why. Not for sure. Again, uh... That was speculation at that point. But the working theory... Anthony kind of led us to believe that, you know, they may have been dancing with some girls that were with some other other men and maybe some jealousy came into play or something like that. There were security cameras nearby, but they weren't where police could tell who Jason and Anthony were hanging out with, if it was both of them or just one, or most importantly see the faces of anybody involved in the fight. Not inside the bar, no. We did have some footage from outside the bar. Really not too helpful. Um, nothing where, you know, it's going, to, it's going to give me the killer. They did find a significant piece of evidence at the scene. A jacket. A pretty unique jacket, actually. Yeah, it was just a, it was just a sweat jacket that was left behind there. And uh, like I said, we had put that across the news media at the time and didn't get any bites on it. But, I mean... You can see someone someone you know, knows who owns that. We have a picture of the sweat jacket online. It's light in color, white on the inside, red shoulders, and whoever wore it was close to Anthony when he was stabbed. It did have Anthony's DNA on it at one part on the jacket somewhere, uh, whether it be blood spatter or, or whatever the case may be. There was definitely Anthony's DNA there. But the cuffs of the jacket, which we focused on, obviously, they're elastic and they cling to the skin. There's a, there's a combination of DNA there. So um, at, least, uh, at least two people have worn that jacket. The jacket went through CODIS, the FBI's nationwide DNA library. They did it every few years and didn't get any hits on it. Whoever was wearing the jacket is not in the FBI system. And with no hits coming in from circulating the picture of the jacket through the media, the leads just kind of ended there. And it's not just that. 
there were 400 people there. Someone must have seen something. Someone was actually close enough to get Anthony's blood on their jacket. And whoever that is didn't come forward. They didn't talk to police. Whether that's because they were scared or they were involved, they probably, at the very least, saw something that police would want to know. And it's not that no one talked to police. A lot of people did. Captain Madonna has a stack of interviews in a file folder about a foot long. It's just not enough. At least in this particular case, the people weren't really willing to give us those little bits you're speaking about. We had to pull every little bit we got. We had to pull that out of them. Madonna says in a lot of cases, that's just how it goes. People don't want to be involved. These interviews with with witnesses almost somewhat become like interrogations because you're trying to drag things out of them. And... uh, It's time-consuming, and it's exhausting. So with no footage and no one who saw what happened, the best witness that police have is Anthony. And Anthony had been beaten, he'd been kicked, stabbed three times, and before all that, was probably drinking. He wasn't in the best mood. And, you know, clearly we we understand that. Uh, At the time, he was, um, you know, somewhat belligerent, and we didn't believe he was being too cooperative with us. Um, Even now, looking back on it and... We, you know, we really came a long way with Anthony getting information from him, but he just didn't know anything. He, he didn't know who stabbed him. He didn't know the parties involved. And, you know, I'm sure intoxication had something to do with it, but certainly, you know, he, he was angry. Yeah, he was angry. Um, uh, the fact that he was injured and you, and you go under that trauma, uh, I'm certain that, you know, it, it affects you mentally. So. So what it comes down to is another dead end. There's one other wrinkle here. I don't know if it's a wrinkle. It's a little interesting. And it has to do with what people heard that night. This is the recording of the calls from that night into police and police radio. 49 Trouble Square. Somebody got shot. Trouble in Square? Uh, terminal Square. Oh, Terminal. Yes. Hang on one second. Somebody got shot? Yes. Hold on for the medical dispatcher. Police fire and ambulance 130. Hi, um, I think they firing like shots on Upper Derby, 69th and Terminal Square, 69th and Market. Hey, can you turn the music down so we can hear you or are you in a car? No, I'm in a restaurant. It's outside like a gang site or something. There's shooting going on outside. You, you got a shooting at the Brees Avenue and Terminal Square. There's a guy laying down in the street. What it's not fire. What, it's what? in uh, Darty or Yates. Right. I don't know. It's on it's Brees Avenue and Terminal Square. Let me give you an ambulance. We have a man down in shot. This tape was given to us by Upper Darby Police. In every call that we heard here, someone mentions hearing gunshots. We don't really know how to explain that, because no one was shot and police didn't find any ballistic evidence at the scene. But someone else says he heard a gunshot too. Yeah, I don't want to complicate it, but let me say this to you. Uh, A SEPTA police officer was in the area and believed he heard shots fired. Um, We have no evidence of shots being fired. As a matter of fact, the people that we know had guns there, the security guards, we took their guns and examined them, and, and they were not fired that night. Um, so were there shots fired? I guess someone could have had a revolver and shot, I mean, maybe to disperse the crowd, possibly. There's no evidence of a shooting. So we don't have a satisfying conclusion there. 
Some people reported gunshots. Some people called them in. And there's no evidence that a gun was fired. It's just another question mark. So the radio call goes out, and across town, Leola's in her house in West Philly. Matter of fact, I would think I was in bed. Yeah, I was in bed. And um, the phone rang. On the other line was Anthony's mother or sister. She doesn't remember. And they said that Jason had been hurt, and they were taking him to the hospital. I asked her what hospital. She didn't know. So as soon as she said she didn't know in the hospital, I just dropped the phone and started screaming. Her husband picks up the phone. Leola's having an asthma attack. My asthma just went into a full blast. So Raymond finishes the call and then calls Jason's brother Brian and his wife. They come over and Ray and Brian go looking for Jason. And they went to um, University, 34th Street. And he wasn't there. They said that he was at Memorial, Delaware Memorial. And they went out there and that's when... They told him that he didn't make it. Leola's at home this whole time with the others looking for Jason. I kept on calling them and no one picked up the cell phone. I said, something isn't right. My son and wife said, Mom, just, you know, maybe maybe they just, the phone don't went dead or something. I said, no, something isn't right. And then the search party comes back alone. And when they did get here, my son came in first. And I'm still like this looking, trying to look behind him to see whether Jason was behind him. And then my husband came in and I just knew, I was like, where is he at? And they told me and I just fell. And my son grabbed me and I just, he just held on to me and I just cried. Let's try to put this into a space. This is 2004. It's two years before Twitter launched. A little website called Facebook.com was still TheFacebook.com. The best-selling cell phone of the year was a Nokia brick that didn't even have a camera. The Motorola Razor was the next big thing in cell phones. And the iPhone 1 wouldn't get released for three more years. So most of the ways we communicate now didn't exist yet. The story went out to local papers, TV. A photo of the jacket left to the scene went on the township's website in about two weeks after the murder. I contacted Clear Channel. He got in touch with the sales rep there. And they were able to work out a deal for a billboard. It was actually two billboards. One on the major road in the township and then one in West Philly. It listed the, uh, the reward money. And it listed who to contact, and like I said, an image of Jason. So it was it was really nicely done. It's, we really appreciated that. Again, pre-social media. Meantime, police kept doing the groundwork, trying to identify everyone who was there, hopefully finding someone who could tell them something useful. Who rented space at the bar? What were the names of some of the people uh, that had attended parties? Who DJed? Uh, the security guards? Did they know anybody by name? So it's just trying to backtrack and <laughs> trying to get these 400 people, so to speak, back into the bar. At the time, the Terminal Grill and Sports Bar was popular for birthday parties and VIP events. It was packed on the weekends, and police considered it a nuisance bar. Madonna puts it like this. i got to be honest with you. I mean, 
a lot of bars continue to be problem locations. Where there's alcohol and a large amount of people, we're going to have problems. But yes, we have had problems in that bar. Madonna says the bar owner contributed to the reward for anyone who had information about Jason's murder. In November of 2014, the Delco Times reported a shooting outside the bar, then called the 69th Street Lounge. A 35-year-old man was shot in the ankle. Upper Darby Police Superintendent Mike Chitwood unleashed a pretty serious rant in an interview and said, quote, I'm sick of this bar and I'm going to do everything I can to shut it down. A little further down, Chitwood says, the owner rents it out and hundreds of people show up and we can't have it. We had shots fired before and now this time somebody got shot. This place has become a toilet. One of the people Jason never got to meet was his niece, his sister's baby daughter. Her daughter was born three days before he died. And he, my husband told him, said, Jason, Monique, I don't know, had the baby. When you go into the hospital to see her, he said, Dad, I'll see her. And he never got a chance to see her. She talks about him all the time like she knew him, <laughs> you know. When we go to his gravesite, she always sings, sings for him. Do you have confidence that the police will find who did this? I'm hoping, I am hoping, I pray every night for this to happen. Oh, I, I always have confidence. I, I always, you know, I always think, you know, something can break at any time. I have to hold on to my prayers and pray and hope. I think if I give up that, I don't know what I'd do. I have no doubt someone knows who did this. You don't go this long without people talking. But Donis, you know, when I first met him, he promised me, he said, I'm going to solve this case. He said, I don't care how long I'm going to get to the, you know, get to the end of this case. And all I need is, all I need is a phone call. If you know anything, please call Upper Darby Police. And it may not be the thing that puts this you know case away for us but it may be you know a solid step for us in the right direction you do not have to leave your name you do not have to leave a phone number just say something suppose it's you're someone in your family how would you feel i just i just want to hear what they have to say even if they leave a phone number and not a name um they're, they're gonna have to trust me here that I don't want to make anyone's life uncomfortable or, or miserable. What I want to do is I want to bring, you know, justice home for the Richardson family. So hopefully he'll come through for me, you know. Yeah, I hope so. The Terminal Square bar owner and the family raised money for information leading to an arrest and the unsolved murder of Jason Richardson. The police foundation then matched that amount, and so there's now a $2,500 reward in this cold case. Anyone who may know something, even the smallest amount of information, can give Captain Dave Madonna a call at 610-734-7693. You can leave an anonymous tip or a message for him, and you can also email the crime tips at Upper Darby Police Department. That's past crime tips. So P A S S C R I M E tips at udpd.org. You know, we said it before, and it's just no matter 
how trivial someone thinks it is or how unimportant they think it is, we would like to hear it. Um, it could be it could be just enough to help us tip the scales. And we'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments about this story, you can email me at johansson, J-O-H-A-N-S-O-N at KYW.com or you can email Tom at Rickert, R-I-C-K-E-R-T at KYW.com or you can even follow us on Twitter, direct message us, but however you want to go about doing it, my Twitter account is at Kristen Johansson, K-R-I-S-T-E-N, J-O-H-A-N-S-O-N or you can follow Tom, he's T-E-E-R-I-C-K. Any messages or emails that we do get, we promise to look into each one and pass any tips we might get along to the Upper Darby Police Department. Gone Cold is made by Kristen and me in the KOW studios in Philadelphia. If you liked this episode, there are a few things you can do to help us out. First, make sure you subscribe so you can get all the episodes as soon as they're released. Also, please rate and review the podcast on the iTunes store. It goes a long way to helping other people find out about the show. I'm Tom Rickert. I'm Kristen Johansson. We'll talk again next time. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.